Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. What's going on, folks? I am Jason Martin. Look, we decided Bernie could have the weekend off. He usually joins Aaron Torres and me on Saturday nights before then hosting another four hours after doing this show on Friday nights into Saturday mornings. It's Saturday morning where I am. It might still be Friday where you are. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. You can find me on Twitter, by the way, at JMAR Radio. You can call us, 877-996-6369. That is 877-99 on Fox. I'll be with you for the next three hours. Looking forward to doing it. There's no football happening on the field. But there's still things happening off it. We'll get to Stephon Diggs and the Bills and DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook and a lot of that a little bit later on in the program. Should mention we're broadcasting live from the aforementioned TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. So... The big story in the NBA is not the team that won the Larry O'Brien trophy five days ago, but we will talk about them. It'll probably be in the next segment. We have to talk about Ja Morant, and we knew that this was going to come shortly after the finals because Adam Silver pretty much said, we want to get through the finals and then we're going to address this, which was sort of odd. Because he came out and and made this statement and talked about how they had found more, which if I missed it, you can let me know. But I didn't see anything more that we didn't know from the new video and the Instagram post and all of that. But the suspension has been handed down. It's 25 games and other conditions. I'll let you know what those are here in just a second. But... Everybody is trying to decide now whether or not this was enough. I have said over the past few weeks when I've been asked, and you may have heard me on Fox Sports Radio say this, All-Star break was where I was. And the reason why is because it needs to hurt. It needs to hurt Job, but it also needs to give him a redemption path. 
There is uh, a cynicism in America where we like to see the fall, right? We like to see the fall of superstars. It's it's gross. It's ugly. But there's a reason people watch NASCAR when they do. And most of the time, it's not to see cars go fast. It's to see cars go boom. And, you know, think about Tiger Woods, for example, what happened to him back in 2009. There is a... There's a tabloid sensibility to a lot of our brains. The only thing that then outmatches that is the great redemption story. So many of those end up winning awards when they are done in movies or television shows. And certainly when it happens in real life, it's special. If you, if you made this the all-star break, first off, that's, you know, that's half the season. That's going to hurt his team. That's going to hurt his bank account. And I want to talk more about that in just a second. But you can lead to your all-star game at that point in time saying, hey, Jaw's going to be back. Jaw's done the work. He has this season, you know, been away from his teammates. He has fulfilled our requirements. He's gone through these counseling sessions. We believe he's contrite. Um, we are so excited to have him back. And, and then you have this opportunity for this new version of John Morant that you've almost kind of marketed a little bit on the way back to right after the All-Star game, that'd be a boom for your second half of the season. Maybe Memphis is still in it. They got Tyus Jones as their backup point guard. And if you look at his numbers, uh, and if you look at how Memphis has played without Ja. Uh, they're still likely to be in the mix, and he can come in and give them that spark. But then you have a spark for your league in the second half of the season. And you also feel like, you know, that was that was substantial. So 25 games is not quite that. The explanation for 25 from Adam Silver was, well, when you look at the Bridges case and the domestic violence, you know, that was 30 games. So... That was a criminal situation. This was not. If that was 30, this being more than 30 would have been egregious. And this is tied with four or five other suspensions that have happened. This is the second longest suspension Adam Silver's given out. And the first one he's tied, outside of the one I just told you about, the second one is he's tied with like four or five other guys at 25, and they were all performance-enhancing drug deals. Um so this one is unique in that deal. You have the Players Association saying, you know, they're going to look at this and see what the next step is. They don't believe that this is fair. Uh, they said, you know, we believe it is excessive and inappropriate for a number of reasons, including the facts involved in this particular incident, and that it's not fair or consistent with past discipline in our leagues. They're going to explore all options and next steps. Great. I mean, the job of the NBA, the Players Association, the the job of any union in a sport is to defend the players, even when it makes no sense. I mean, the NBA, the uh, NFLPA was certainly going to be on Deshaun Watson's side when all that stuff went down. It was that suspension was going to be too much. We're going to try and get that thing down. That's just that's what they do. Uh, I'm not particularly a fan of that when it goes against what they might actually believe but they are they're kind of tied based on what they're tasked to accomplish in that role but 
Adam Silver says, this is his quote, the potential for other young people to emulate Jaws' conduct is particularly concerning. Under these circumstances, we believe a suspension of 25 games is appropriate and makes clear that engaging in reckless and irresponsible behavior with guns will not be tolerated. For Jaw, basketball needs to take a backseat at this time. That's Adam Silver. That quote's a lot better than... I, I think he... He wanted to give Ja the benefit of the doubt the first time around. I thought that was a suspension without teeth in any way, shape, or form. That was not even pre-toddler where you have like four teeth. That was zero teeth. He went to, I don't know what it was, a drive through seminar for an hour, picked up something, a book on tape, and then came back, and it seemed like he was back on the floor immediately. I don't know what he learns from that. But the key to me thinking all-star break and me looking at 25, and I understand the rationale if 30 was a domestic violence, this is on the line of performance-enhancing drugs. I look at the behavior and look at the fact that it happens a second time, and I look at from what you from what we can gather, he's still around the same people. You still got Mr. Pack around, and you have some of these guys that have gotten him into trouble, quite frankly. And he's got so much to lose. So I want to go back to the money aspect here. He's going to lose a ton of money. He's going to lose millions and millions of dollars here because I think the per game that he's going to lose is in the 300000 range, which is not close to what it was this past year because his new deal kicks in and you know the extension and all that. So he's going to lose money, a lot of it. He's, you know, he's got Powerade pulled the ads. Nike's still standing behind him, and they they're saying they're happy with this statement. I don't really want to see the statement from Ja Morant. Like it's better than nothing. But the statement after the first incident bothered me because if you listen to Ja talk and you've seen him in actual sit-down interviews. What he says and how that statement was worded didn't match. And I felt the same way looking at this statement. I want to see John Morant in the... Remember Michael Vick? When he got up there and did not have a prepared statement, and you could just tell he was speaking from the heart. You know, He had gone through the process. I mean, this man went to jail got out of jail and he's done everything right since and still some people are never going to forgive him but when he talked I believed what he said I believe that in many ways he didn't fully understand the ramifications of what he was doing at the time he learned he paid his debt he got out and all that. I want to see that from Ja not that Ja's going to jail for this and you know it, none of these incidents would have put him there but if he gets up and he talks in front of me, I don't mean sitting down with Jalen Rose or sitting down in a friendly environment or sitting down in an environment where I'm going to feed you the question that you want to answer. Don't even worry about the questions. Just say something. Just come out and say something. Or don't say anything right now outside of, I know i got to go get some help. That's what I'm going to go do. Uh, I believe maybe the sentiment of the statement, but... I need it to be personalized. And I need it to be personalized because I want to believe it so badly. Because Ja is great for the NBA. He is somebody that kids can look up to. He's somebody that's going to bring ratings. He's somebody that brings a swagger and an interest level.
to this league. He's perfect for this social media era where our attention spans get shorter every year based on the statistics, but his highlight reels are beautiful for that seven, eight second clip. He can jump out of the gym and at his size, it's so impressive to watch. There's so much value in what Ja can be as a superstar athlete and what he could potentially impart to the next generation. I don't mean on the court. I mean what he could mean as an inspirational figure, a motivational figure, someone like that. That's why I like the idea of a redemption arc, a redemption story for Ja Morant. But how do you hurt someone? How do you make this hurt? Someone that has this kind of money and that kind of endorsement money and this, you know, all of the things that Jaws got. This is going to hurt him in the pocketbook, but is it going to kill him in the pocketbook? I don't know. I mean, like, if you find me $1,000, that would mean a lot to me. You find him $1,000, it's not. But if you find him a million dollars, I don't know that it is. I just, it's it's a universe that we don't even understand. So I, I don't know what the game checks and the time missed is going to mean. The thing that needs to be most important here, I agree. When you look at Adam Silver and the statement that I read to you, or part of what he was saying, I agree that, you know, emulating Jaws' conduct and all of the things that were there, the danger involved, we believe a suspension of 25 games is appropriate for Jaws' basketball needs to take a backseat at this time. You have to worry about your league and your league actually looking like it has some kind of authority because the players have kind of run that joint now for years. And it's been perceived that way, especially in comparison to something like the NFL and the the control that the ownership has there, or certainly the league has with Goodell and how they've operated. And they've gotten a lot wrong, don't get me wrong, but... The important factor for me is not the business side. The important factor for me is that John Morant has a chance for the life and the future that was mapped out for him. The point for me is that Jaws actually rehabilitated. Not so I can watch him, even though selfishly that's my goal. I, I want to watch the guy play basketball because he's so special. I just want him to have the life that that God laid out for him. I want him to be able to achieve. I want him to to go through those experiences. And I do think he can grow from this. He's super young. And he's a smart guy. And I I hope that he can get away from some of the influences that are causing some of these problems. But think about the opportunities that lie in front of John Morant. And if I'm Adam Silver, and maybe I can't care about this as the NBA commissioner. Maybe this is a pipe dream. But I want to look at it and say, what's best for Ja? What's best for him? What's going to enable him to live the best version of Ja Morant's life? What's the safest play? And you have to measure it, obviously, from a business perspective. But your league's okay. You'll survive without Ja, even if it was for the year. How much time is necessary for Ja to realize I can't do this anymore, and this is taking me down a pathway that can end 
I mean, he can end in his death. I mean, we're not saying he's that close to it, but he's waving around a gun in multiple deals. He's had the the thing at the mall over his mom being disrespected. You had the you know the red light train at the Nuggets facility, at the Pacers incident. Like all these things have happened. The escalation of it would be dangerous. But you just got to get it. You, you got to get him under control at this age and say, "Hey, man, there is a fix here, and it's just slow down and look at what you have to lose." And maybe this is going to be enough. And if it is, then twenty-five games is a fine suspension. I would have made it the All Star break. I would have. I would have put a statement out there. I would not have said, "Well, because we gave thirty on this, we can't get more on this." I can't look at it that way. Every incident, when it comes. I evaluate that incident in the moment. They were way too lax the first time. This time is triple that, but I still don't know if that's enough. Let me know. Jmar Radio is where you can tweet me. 877-99 on Fox if you want to call us and chat about it. 996-6369. I just want to see Ja back on the floor, but I want to see Ja smiling and Ja in a really good place in his life. And I hope this suspension, the time that he's going to have away uh, the preconditions to, to come back, going through the counseling program, all of those things. I hope that's going to be the thing that, that gets him there. I don't want to be talking about this next year. I don't think any of us want to be talking about this. We want to see the guy play basketball and succeed. The reason why you're listening to this radio station right now is because you love sports, and the reason you love sports is because you love watching athletes who are our superheroes in reality because we don't have people in capes flying around. We watch sports stars. We watch them do what we can't, and that's what I want for John Morant. When we come back, another thing I know I can't do is what Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets just did. Are the Nuggets on their way to a dynasty in the NBA? We will talk about that next. Here it is, Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm gonna talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic, and then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. I'm Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio, in for Bernie Fratto, early on a Saturday morning, in a couple of time zones, still late Friday in a couple, 877-99 on Fox if you want to reach us. Uh, hit up the entire network on Twitter at Fox Sports Radio. I'm at Jmart Radio is where you can find me. 
We are in the TireRack.com studios. The Nuggets just won a championship. First one that they have ever won as an organization. And we'll talk about Jokic and how people discuss him probably after the update. But the talk is already, are we about to see a dynasty? Because anytime there's a champion, a new champion in particular, is this going to be a new dynasty? Well, the good news about sports is we will find out. With health, there's a lot of reasons to believe that the Nuggets are going to be here for a while. Jokic is 28 years old. Jamal Murray is 26. Aaron Gordon, who had, I mean, that penultimate game that he had, I don't know if anybody saw that coming, but incredible. He's 27. Michael Porter Jr. is 24. They're all signed for two more years at least. And they are, I mean, they're near the cap, but they're not over it. So they they aren't dealing with the luxury tax yet. They're probably going to be flirting with it, though. They're going to lose Bruce Brown. They brought him in. They know he's going to get more money this offseason. So he's got a player option. Probably they're just not going to be able to get him anywhere near what he's going to get somewhere else. So you probably lose him. You may lose KCP next year. I read that at The Athletic. But you've got basically your starting five locked in. You've got them all in their prime. I don't know that there is someone in the NBA that can stop Jokic. His game is so unique in that unlike a lot of, especially a lot of the European players that come over and can score, when you look at guys like Dirk and you look at Luka Doncic, and some of those type guys, they can score like crazy, but that's generally all they do. Jokic, what do you have, like four shots at half? The finals game, he still ends up with 27 at the end just because he's efficient, because he can make some free throws, because he can get rebounds, because he does all the little things. Nobody's ever going to accuse him of being an all-world defender, but on the offensive side, he's a guy that even though – the offense flows completely through him. He didn't have to take all the shots. He didn't have to take half the shots. I mean, Jamal Murray, when he's on, there's no reason to not hand him the ball. Michael Porter Jr. during this playoff run reminded people why people or why everybody was so excited about him at Missouri. And Aaron Gordon, even though he is inconsistent, when he is on, when he's good, he can be really good. And maybe, you know, you win a championship and some of that consistency starts to find its way there. I think the bigger question isn't, are the Nuggets going to be there? Because I think they are. When you Just what I laid out to you. Their draft situation is pretty good. They've got a couple of picks. Maybe they're going to move up in this draft and get somebody else. But they have guys making like very, very little money that they drafted, one of which they believe can replace Bruce Brown. That's Christian Braun. He's 22 years old, um, but you've got you got him and you got Peyton Watson, and Watson almost cracked a rotation. I saw that at the Athletic as well. So, I mean, you've got guys there that might be able to fill the hole, and those are late first-round picks who will make I'm, about $4 million combined next year. So they're in good role. 
I think the question is, what's the rest of the West next year? What are the Suns, now that it's the Frank Vogel experience and likely the not Chris Paul-led show, when it is Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and whatever else they're going to do? Because it does look like CP3 is out of there. There's the rumors of the Lakers. Maybe we can chat about that before the end of the program. I have thoughts, certainly. But how's that going to work? Devin Booker's been hurt at times. Kevin Durant is increasingly not as reliable in terms of his health. And they got rid of a lot of their depth in the deal that brought them KD in the first place. And they definitely got rid of a lot of their defense. And I'm not convinced that Monty Williams for Frank Vogel is an upgrade. I think that's closer to a lateral move. That's like a B plus to an A minus or an A minus to a B plus, and I, I mean, I, and that might even be undercutting Monty. I think Monty did an excellent job. I do think there were times um, where some moves that he made cost them, but the biggest thing that cost them was Chris Ball getting hurt, Kevin Durant showing up later in the season because of when he was acquired, and then he didn't play for a while after he got there. It just it was all discombobulated, and they finally ran into a situation. They were kind of like the Rams. best comparison I have for them is the Rams. The Rams went all in, brought in Matthew Stafford, brought in Vaughn, all that. They're a laughing stock if they don't win the championship that year. And they were about a quarter away from Cincinnati finding a way to snatch that thing away. Didn't end up happening. They won the Super Bowl. And then, okay, now everybody can copy what they did. But... If that doesn't work, what you did for Stafford to bring him in and everything that they did, we knew the problem with the Rams was they had no depth behind their guys. They stayed pretty healthy where they needed to. They lost OBJ, but they still made it work. And they lost him in the Super Bowl. They had lost uh, Robert Woods earlier in the year, replaced him with OBJ, and that was about the only move that they could make. But generally speaking, the the guys they needed to be healthy stayed healthy and were there for them throughout that run. The Suns, had they stayed healthy, could they have won the championship? Certainly, maybe. But the Nuggets still appear to be the better basketball team. They seem to be the most complete team in the NBA. The fact that they won the championship shouldn't surprise anybody. And now that you've seen them and watched them win a title, does it get easier for them? Because that confidence is there. Or are they going to be taking everybody's best shots every night? We'll continue along these lines uh, here coming up next. uh, On Fox Sports Radio, live from the TireRack.com studios. Plus, I want to talk about... Nuggets coach Malone and and how he felt about how the Nuggets were talked about in comparison to the Lakers during the Western Conference Finals and how, guess what, get used to it because that's not going to change. Let's go to L.A. and catch an update. Take it away. Well, the big news of the day, we actually had a lot of big news today. San Diego State has reportedly given the Mountain West Conference written notice that the school intends to resign from the league. There was an earlier report that said SDSU gave the required one-year notice on Tuesday and will explore all options if the Pac-12 does not get a TV deal done by the end of the month. However, an updated report said that San Diego State's written letter of its intention to withdraw was not an official notice. The exit fee to leave the conference for the fall of 2024 doubles to $34 million on July 1st. In the letter, the school asked the Mountain West for a one-month extension given 
quote, unforeseen delays involving other college athletic conferences beyond our control, unquote. In the NBA, the league has suspended John Morant 25 games after he posted a video that showed him waving what appeared to be a gun. The suspension will come with conditions for his return, the league said. During the suspension... Morant won't be able to take part in any public leagues or team activities, and he will lose more than $7.5 million from his salary. Morant previously suspended eight games back in March for a similar incident. Michael Jordan reportedly selling the Charlotte Hornets, and he's set to sell the team to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, but will still retain a minority stake in the franchise. U.S. Open golf rookie Fowler in the lead. Out in Los Angeles, he is one stroke ahead of Wyndham Clark and two ahead of Rory McIlroy and Xander Schofel. U.S. Soccer announced Greg Berhalter has been reappointed as manager of the U.S. men's national team through the 2026 World Cup. And some final Major League Baseball scores from the West Coast. Giants come from behind to beat the Dodgers 7-5. Mariners over the White Sox 3-2. Rays beat the Padres 6-2. Phillies over the Athletics 6-1. And the Diamondbacks beat the Guardians 5-1. Back over to you. Appreciate it. Yep. That, oh, man. I, I want to talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. and the Braves a little bit later on, but I'm going to do that to open the second hour as part of a larger topic on Father's Day weekend. So that's coming up. But what Acuna's doing is unreal. And as a Braves fan, it is uh, it's very, very exciting. So we were talking about the Nuggets, right? And we are talking about the dynasty idea because when a new champion – is crowned. Now it's time to talk about how many championships they're going to win because we can't just be excited about the one that they just won. We have to look to the next year. Who's the biggest threat to them? Well, we just kind of discussed the Suns before that update. The Lakers are certainly going to be talked about, as they should. Look, they they overperformed, really, and Rob Palenka did an excellent job at the trade deadline in doing what he did. They still got some question marks. They got to figure out point guard. Is it going to be Chris Paul? I don't know what to tell you there. I think that's crazy. This guy's been hurting six of his nine last playoff appearances. He's a guy that just you can't rely on to be there. They even low managed him last year, and he still got hurt in the playoffs. You're bringing in him to a team that's already pretty old in terms of its key players. But if you can bring him in on the veteran minimum salary, which I've seen in multiple locations would potentially be the idea, that would enable you to potentially add depth and retain Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. Those are the two guys I think you've got to find a way to keep. I mean, Reeves, that's not great analysis by me. That's obvious. If you can keep Austin Reeves, you you better keep Austin Reeves. And Hachimura, I think, is burgeoning, to say the least. At times, he's really special, and, and he's young, and there's a lot to like about him. But then you got to figure out what you're going to do with D'Angelo Russell. To me, that needs to be a, you know, don't let the screen door hit you situation. But if you read, it looks like you bring in CP3 on that veteran minimum, and then you can keep Russell. I just don't know that, that – I don't know that it's not addition – by subtraction to get rid of Russell and bring somebody else in, but I also am not sure about CP3. But on the veteran minimum, maybe that mitigates it a little bit. I still look at the Nuggets as the better team over the Lakers next year as they get older. I didn't even mention Anthony Davis, who that's the other thing. You're going to add CP3 to a team that already has Anthony Davis and, quite frankly, LeBron James, who finally his body is starting to show signs of age. For a long time, he was just crazy healthy 
considering how physically he played, I mean, the amount of minutes and just the time that he missed was almost non-existent for such a long period of time in his career. But eventually that was going to change, and it finally has for him. So he can't go full speed 82 games a year the way that he once could. And then you look at the rest of it, it's like, who else is really going to be that big a threat? I guess Memphis. 25 games, they're not going to have job, but Memphis will still be there. But Memphis, the only thing Memphis has won a championship in so far is talking. They haven't actually done very much on the floor. They've been in the playoffs and they've had high seed now. But this is the kind of year where I hope to hear less from them and just see them go play basketball. Because they are they're an excellent team, and Dylan Brooks is probably not going to be there next year. And maybe that's going to be, you know, that's going to be helpful if they're able to do a couple of smart things in free agency. But I don't just look at the West and see that much depth. I don't see a ton of teams that are going to be competing. I just, I can't trust the Clippers. I don't know what they're going to do, but I can't trust them. We talked about the Lakers. We talked about the Suns. Those are kind of the obvious candidates. I know I could talk about Dallas, but I'm not going to. If Kyrie's going to be back, which it looks maybe like he is, I, I, there will not be a version of me that will pick a Kyrie Irving team to win a championship. And he's not even the star of that team. But I just – the chemistry and you could have written that whole pairing with him and Doncic not going well from the get-go. In fact, most of us did as soon as the trade happened. I mean, they're both excellent basketball players, but how was that going to work with one basketball and the way those two guys play? Um, so I kind of rule them out as well. So the Nuggets in the West are good. I, I think the the real comparison and the real competition is coming from the East. What's Boston going to do? They've got to figure something out. I think if they bring everybody back, if they just run it back, I don't think that, that lineup, I think they've hit their ceiling. The Heat are assuredly going to add somebody. They realize they need another star. Now, Butler didn't have a great finals, but he had to have been exhausted considering the level of effort he had to put in in those previous rounds. And he started getting some help in the Eastern Conference Finals, or more help. Um, and, And they were without Tyler Hero during that playoff run, but that was a Butler show. They need somebody else. And it looks like, you know, maybe Bradley Beal could be that guy. That'd be interesting. Bradley Beal has never played... Well, maybe once he played on a team that was sort of relevant, and I don't mean for multiple years, but he's been a really good player for a long time. If he goes to Miami, he could be that kind of player because, man, you want to talk about somebody can shoot the rock. He can go out there and do that for you, and that's the kind of thing that Miami needs on a consistent basis is a star-level player that can do that and get his own shot. And then there's Philly and We'll find out what happens with Harden. Embiid's another guy that I, I don't know in the playoffs, especially, and, and he's had health issues as well. And then there's Milwaukee, who I really like. Milwaukee and Denver still look like the best teams in the league. We'll see what happens in the draft and what happens in free agency. But I think the other thing, real quickly, before we get to the break, is that Mike Malone, during the Western Conference Finals, maligned the fact that the media covered the Lakers more than they covered the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. That when the Nuggets went up 1-0, the story wasn't about the Nuggets going up 1-0. It was about adjustments that the Lakers were going to make that they had figured things out. And then it's 2-0, and they're still doing that. They're not talking about Jokic. They're talking about various Lakers players and all this. The Nuggets won a championship 
but I still don't think that changes. Now, if they go win two or three more, or if they win another one next year, maybe that shifts a little bit. But you're still the Denver Nuggets, and they're still the Los Angeles Lakers. It's going to take more than one championship to change that narrative. I think as basketball fans, as sports fans, we know and we can appreciate what the Nuggets did. But this is not going to be a finals that's going to be particularly memorable. It's just not. And not all, I think Colin Cowherd said this a few weeks ago, he's right. Not all championships, not all teams are memorable. They're not all box office. But this team is real good. And I'm not going to go so far as to say they're a dynasty because so many things could change very quickly. By the way, in that conversation about what they could do, I didn't mention Golden State at all. That was the last dynasty that we had in this league. And maybe they're still going to be a player. I don't know. Time will tell. Luckily, we actually get to watch these games. And as Bernie always says, Sports is the greatest reality show there is. You just can't figure it out. You can't pick it in advance. Congrats to the Nuggets. When we come back, something that is increasingly problematic in the NBA right now is the situation with Zion Williamson, what's going to happen with him and the Pelicans. We'll talk about that. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. I'm Jason Martin, live from the TireRack.com studios. And we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount. Combine your motorcycle, your RV, your boat, your ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Quote, there is no relationship between Zion and the organization and minimal relationship between Zion and his teammates, from what I understand. It's surprising to me how out there it is in the league that the Pelicans are discussing Zion business. I want to be very careful about the word offer because that word is a dangerous word. I'm not sure the Pelicans have offered Zion to anybody, 
But every day that passes over the past five or six, I hear different discussions the Pelicans have had that implies they're going to make Zion available, him or Brandon Ingram. I wouldn't rule out anything, I guess, but the events of the last six months with Zion are what they are. That was Brian Windhorst from his podcast. I was quoting him there. Again, no relationship, according to, to Windhorst on his podcast, no relationship between Zion and the organization. Minimal relationship between Zion and his teammates. Draft coming up. There's talk of Scoot Henderson. The Pelicans would like to have him. The only way you could get him, most likely, is to trade Williamson. We know what Zion was supposed to be coming out of Duke in 2019 in that draft. It was him and Jaws, matter of fact. We are bookending our one with the number one and number two picks in the 2019 NBA draft. And we actually, in the middle of that sandwich, talked about the actual NBA champions and the finals that ended less than a week ago. I remember tweeting out and saying I thought Zion was, or pardon me, that Jaw was going to have a better career than Zion in the NBA because it just felt like the NBA was made for what Jaw was going to come in and do. His game, his style. And I was worried that Zion was going to have health issues throughout his career because at his size, the explosiveness with which he plays, I don't think the human body was was going to stand up to that. And I'm not talking about his, his weight being out of control and stuff. I know that's a concern for the Pelicans, and it's been joked about and all this, but that's not where I'm going. I just like his knees, his ankles, all of that, by the way he lands, but just the power with which he plays. We know how great he is when he's on the floor. But that's the crucial point here. Zion has played in 114 regular season games out of a possible 308. 24 games his rookie year, 61 his sophomore year, 29 this past year. He's a first overall pick, and he's got Hall of Fame level talent. 25.8, 7, 3.6. That's points, rebounds, assists for his career. But what does that matter if he can only play less than a third of your season? He's the first pick with that kind of talent. And if I'm the Pels... I'm probably looking to move him if I can. Winhorse went on to say, by the way, the Zion thing is there. At the very least, it's very clear the Pelicans thought on Zion Williamson's future with the team is evolving. That's putting it mildly, unquote. This is nuts. And the thing that's really kind of cryptic about all of this, I mean, he's got some off-the-court stuff and all this too, but, like, you never really hear Zion talk and, and – you can't get a sense. You remember all the smiles from Zion Williamson at Duke and just how cool it was when he would, you know, do media appearances and stuff. He, he just owned the room. That's why you could just look at the NBA and say, man, he could be the next guy. He could be the next Shaq. He could be the guy that takes this from LeBron James. All of that. He's exactly who you'd want to market. Everything about him said that. And increasingly, year after year, it's just kind of deteriorated to where I don't know anything about this Zion. I don't know if he's happy. I don't know what he's going through. I don't know what his family situation is at this point. All I hear about is this diet, and maybe he cares about basketball, and maybe he doesn't, and 
you know, all of those kinds of things. And I'm just somebody talking about this that doesn't have a dog in this fight other than somebody that always wants to see the best athletes perform. But imagine how you feel if you were in the Pelicans organization. Can't miss became the exact opposite. I don't know if he's going to get traded before the draft, which is, you know, very, very soon. But if it happens, I wouldn't be surprised. And think about that. Jaw's going to be suspended for 25 games. He's the number two pick. And we've had all those problems. And Zion can't stay healthy and can't be on the floor. And now we have no idea what's going to happen with him. That's a crazy way to look at those two guys. We will come back. Father's Day is Sunday. Hello, we are indeed broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we will help you get there. Unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Bernie Fratto out this weekend. Happy to be in his chair tonight. Um, He actually replaced my chair on Saturday nights into Sunday mornings when I moved to start hosting with Aaron Torres. And then Bernie joins us in the fourth hour of our program every Saturday night. And uh, he works a lot and works very hard so hopefully he is enjoying this father's day weekend and that's actually where i want to be but i want to be in there for a sports context i'm a braves fan ronald Acuna jr against the rockies on friday night man he's 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 got 30 stolen bases now so he stole his 30 base 30th base he's already got 15 plus home runs Guess what? Nobody else has ever done that in the first 70 games of a season. He's the first player in Major League Baseball history with 15 knocks and 30 bags in the first 70 games of an MLB season. He's preposterously good. It is an embarrassment of riches for me as a Braves fan to get to watch him and this team in general on a day-to-day basis. It is an absolute joy. And that gets me... To It's a little bit of a different topic, but it's definitely sports-related. Father's Day is Sunday. It's tomorrow where I am. I think there's still a time zone that hadn't gotten there yet. No, you know what? I think we're all there now. So it's tomorrow. If that's news to you, you might want to jump on that, get a card, something. I've got a two-year-old daughter now. And, you know, I, I know the wife has a card for me, and I'm excited about that. It'd just be fun to be around my family, as always. But it got, to me, it got me thinking about maybe the very reason you're listening, wherever you happen to be in the country right now, and certainly the reason why I am talking into this microphone right now, and not asleep, quite frankly, is because I love sports. And how much of that has to do... And I look, I understand this can be a challenging conversation because when you start talking about fathers, there are, there are complicating factors for some people and uh, it, can be, it can be difficult, right? But in my case, I don't have that story. In my case, I was as blessed as blessed can be and still am. To have the dad that I do. And I was thinking about, in relation to Father's Day, what is it 
What's the greatest contribution that my dad made to me as a sports fan? What can I credit him for most for me? And, and it's the Braves. It's growing up a Braves fan and watching them on TBS from my home, first in Martinsville, Virginia, where I was born, and then in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, watching them win the World Series together in 1995. And, you know, the great run that they had in the game seven near miss, you know, Jack Morris and his crazy great game and Dan Gladden stomping on the plate with the Twins Braves game seven, which is a classic that I'll never be able to watch again because it's still the most painful memory I have as a sports fan. My dad umpired. He did, you know, Pony League, American Legion. He also was a basketball referee, but I spent a lot of my childhood at various... He did high school. He did all that kind of stuff. And he did it for years and years and years. It wasn't his job, but it, it, it was the other thing that he did. And so I sat in press boxes and ate charms, blow pops, and scored games and clicked. He used the old clicker with the balls and strikes and outs. And I learned to actually score games the old-fashioned way with a pencil. And the way that I learned to do it, of course, being in press boxes didn't hurt. But really, the way I learned to do it was I had a scorebook that I bought at the local sports store. Well, that was bought for me. It's not like I have my own money at this point. That was bought at the local sports store in Virginia. And I sat on the couch with my father and scored Atlanta Braves baseball games that were on television. You know, Mother's Day, Mother's Day gets a, a lot of well-deserved props and respect, and there's so much that gets talked about. But in terms of what I do and what you're here to listen to, what we love when it comes to sports, our moms may have a lot to do with that, too. Our, I mean, my mom carried me to innumerable soccer tournaments, baseball tournaments, all of that kind of stuff, and supported me in everything that I wanted to do. And was there for me when I failed. But it was dad's love of sport that explains why I'm such a big Braves fan and explains why I still get so excited about it. And think every time I think about the Braves, I think about my dad and I think about his mother and his father, my grandma and granddad on the on dad's side because they watch Braves. There were two things I knew about them and they both influenced me tremendously. And and all of these folks, I mean. They love the Braves and they watch pro wrestling. My and as a result I became a huge pro wrestling fan. As as a result I ended up writing about that industry for over two decades, working inside pro wrestling for a decade. I'm still a fan and I hosted a radio show about pro wrestling for about eight years as well. None of that happens without dad. And certainly without grandpa and granny. But I, I do think that it's something we can reflect on, right? And it's something we can we can really appreciate. And we always know Father's Day usually that Sunday is gonna be the final of the US Open in golf. My dad loves watching golf on TV and so do I. It outside of football might be my favorite thing to watch in all sports. And so I'll be right there, assuming my two year old allows it on Sunday, enjoying the final round. 
And we'll talk a little bit about that tournament later on in the program. But what, you know, just think about that. You don't have to reach out and tell me. You can at JMR Radio if you'd like to. What contribution did dad make to your sports fandom? Or things that you love about sports? Your great memories. And I mean, I could also point to being there for T ball and coaching all my teams and helped me learn the game and introducing me to a couple of local broadcasters and things like that when I was a kid. But it's something I don't know that we, we think about and we should on Father's Day. <laughs> it's it's something you, if you really stop and you appreciate and you watch sports this weekend, especially if, if it's baseball, if baseball's part of that for you, then you'll probably have that opportunity. But I watch the Braves and I think about dad. I think about my family. And that's just a different environment, right? Like, I mean, I'm a Denver Broncos fan, but that's just a me thing. and It's always been a me thing. I liked him because of Elway and the colors when I was a kid and it just stuck. But the Braves is deeper. And that's what I'm thinking about. You know, with Father's Day, you think about all the things that they've imparted to you and what they've done for you, the sacrifices that they've made for you, all of that. But I also think about the fun times, and I think about going to midnight movies with me and falling asleep in Back to the Future 2, which is the first midnight movie I ever went to, making sure I was safe, teaching me how to drive, all of that. But just on the sheer side of just making me a Braves fan, making me care about sports, teaching me how to score games, showing me why this matters and why this competition is so addictive. It's so much fun to cover and talk about. And now it's flipped. Because that sports love that he imparted in me, He's not listening right now because I didn't let him know that I was doing the guest host thing here tonight. He'll be listening tomorrow, though, because he always is on Saturday nights, I guess I should say. And when I hosted daily, he he listened every day. And he got such great joy out of it and gets such great joy out of it. It's a love of something that he had that he imparted to me that now he hears me speak about to an audience. And it's cool, it just is. It's it's humbling and it's a huge blessing from the Lord. And it's always brought us together and anytime we see each other, even if it's you know, it's not time for any kind of a heavy conversation about the family or anything else like that. It's just some random well, what do you think about the nuggets? Something like that from dad and, and getting my opinion on that now. And somebody that I that I held in such high esteem and always will, who made me a sports fan in the first place that led to everything that I'm now doing and, and or everything that you're hearing me doing right now, even though my career path has certainly taken a different direction overall. So on Father's Day, I would just think if it's a positive memory for you, if it's a positive thing for you, reflect on it a little bit as you watch sports and think about what role your dad might have played your grandfather might have played your uncle you know all the people in your life that could be considered fathers for somebody and all that what role they played in the sports that you love now 
what you are obsessed with now, maybe you're just such a big fan of now, and, and what would it be like had they not done that? We think a lot about Father's Day and, 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 and experiences that they might have had, like right there with you, action experiences. But what they've done for me, just as what dad did for me, just as a sportsman, I, I think that was worthy of this segment. I think that that is the best tribute I can pay him is just there's no way I'm here with this job, but there's no way I care about this stuff at all anyway, if not for the time that he spent with me, the love that he showed that then reflected itself and made me care so much about it because we had so much fun together going to games all of the things that i've been talking to you about for this last last handful of minutes i could go much more in detail but i don't need to he's the reason i'm a sports fan he's the reason i've been in radio as long as i have he's the reason that i still care i love you dad happy father's day when we come back DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook, neither one in a rush to sign. We'll talk about what that means. Also, Stanley Cup ratings were not particularly good, but what does that mean? All that and more. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. DeAndre Hopkins, he visited with the Titans. He's visited with the Patriots. Dalvin Cook also out there. Both the reports that you see from them is, well, they're both the same, basically, that neither one's in a rush to sign. You know, they'll get there. Right now they're just missing mandatory minicamps of whatever team they would be with. And if you can probably avoid that, if you're one of those guys you probably want to at this point. They both dealt dealt with injuries. Hopkins missed first six games last year with the suspension. He had 64 grabs, 717 yards, three touchdowns in nine games. That sounds bad, but the Cardinals were awful. The Kyler Murray situation was not good. I think he only had seven games when he played with Kyler before Kyler got hurt. And he had 56 catches, 653 yards, and three scores there. So most of his damage and all of his touchdowns came with Kyler in a seven-game stretch. I look at... I originally thought the Titans made sense, and still do. They need somebody. Traylon Burks could be year two. He could be better. They still got a quarterback situation. We'll find out if Will Levis is the answer long term. Tannehill, this will be his last year if he starts the entire year or whatever's going to happen there. If there's a quarterback battle, I doubt it early, but we'll see. Patriots is intriguing because. Their offense was so anemic. You bring in DeAndre Hopkins, does that ignite everything? Is this a Stephon Diggs? And I know that's an interesting name to to uh, bring up considering the current situation there with Buffalo. But is that that kind of situation? You bring him in and everything else just falls into place for a young quarterback. I like Mac Jones. I don't love Mac Jones in terms of his ceiling. I like Mac Jones as a football player. I like Mac Jones and the competitiveness and all that. And I think he fits what the Patriots do. But there's nothing dynamic around him. With no offense to the people that are there, other than there's not a there's not a bona fide one there. And they haven't done much, and they didn't have a good draft. But they haven't done much to really change that. So I look at it and I say, are they one player away from competing? And I would say no. 
I think John Jerry Hopkins is one of those kind of players. Now he's older, but he's still really good. But it's going to cost him a decent amount of money, or it's going to cost whoever it is a decent amount of money to bring him in. He turned 31 years old here this week. He's missed 15 of his last 34 games. Hamstring and knee injuries. It's a risk I think you have to take if you are if you feel like you're close. Are the Patriots close in that division and in that conference right now? That would be my question. We know what the Jets have done. We'll see how that plays out. Dolphins brought in Tyreek Hill. Already had drafted Jalen Waddell. Paid some running backs. Did some things. Beefed up the team. They've got concern in terms of Tua's health. But when he's been healthy, he's been good. So you expect there's going to be more growth in Mike McDaniel's second year. And I haven't mentioned Buffalo, but... Buffalo's been knocking on the door of a Super Bowl for a couple of years, and even if the window is, if you believe in such things, even if the window is on the verge of closing, you imagine you're still there this year. At least, right? Unless the Stephon Diggs thing really got out of control, but I think they've kind of gotten it back under wraps. It seems, it seems that way, at least. Maybe there's some issue there. But I don't think the Patriots are a DeAndre Hopkins away from real contention. With all due respect to Bill Belichick and what he means and where he's going to go down in the all-time ranks of coaches in this league. It wasn't all Matt Patricia. It wasn't all all of those decisions. It's just... Everything feels old. It feels antiquated. It feels like it's still in the past. You can look at the Patriots and kind of compare them to the Spurs or a team like the Spurs, right? The Spurs, that, the way that they kind of built their team, and then things didn't change. They had, Then they had Kawhi come in, and then Kawhi left, and since then you haven't heard anything, and now Wimby's going to go there. And we'll see if that brings them back to prominence. But Wimby is a different animal now than Hopkins. I still think Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the game, no question about it. But at 31, with some injuries, and going in to play with a a Mac Jones-led offense that doesn't have a ton of other guys, and maybe they get a lot better if they're able to slot down. There are people that – there is a Peter principle out there, right, where – Sometimes you just keep on, Peter keeps on getting promoted. Somebody keeps on getting promoted right up until the point where they are way over their skis. And then you realize, oh, we moved this way too far. We've got to actually move it back down. Sometimes an injury forces guys to step up and play roles they're not really equipped to play. Where you're actually a two, but you have to step up and be a one because this guy's gotten hurt. And then that's the that's the problem, right? Everybody has to step up. But not all of all of those guys are capable of such. That's that's kind of my issue there when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins. I just I don't know if those guys then flourish. They certainly wouldn't see as much attention because you'd have to focus so much on Hopkins. It's I can understand why if you're the Patriots you do it. I just don't know that it makes them that much stronger. <clears throat> That's maybe it. Like on the Patriots side, would you bring him in? Yeah, for sure. 
But does it actually put them in line to win that division? I have my doubts on that. And then there's Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook, unfortunately, plays running back. And you've got Najee Harris of the Steelers coming out. And I think you got Jonathan Taylor as well, the Colts. <clears throat> Both of them in some way lamenting and being worried about the running back pay and the market and compensation. Najee trying to prove he's worth a bunch of money and Taylor worried about the money he's about to, to make considering what he's done. We know the longevity of that position is not very good. Dalvin Cook's been hurt a few times. They're going to move on to Madison. They're going to try and get cheaper. And Cook is is Cook. Where does Cook go? By the way, the other the other thing about DeAndre Hopkins, real fast. Maybe you can't do this, but if you really believe in Baltimore, that now that Greg Roman is out, which I, look, I'm all for that. Let's see what Lamar can do with somebody that's actually going to utilize that thing properly and not run something everybody understands and knows, and there's not that many wrinkles to it. So it's usually Lamar being incredibly special or unique that gets them out of trouble when everything is kind of easy to see. That's the kind of place where DeAndre Hopkins would really interest me, is going to a place like Baltimore, where they haven't really had a number one in recent memory and certainly not for Lamar not a true number one you bring him in with the guys that you have then you have something but they already at the very least have brought in some new guys they've brought in some some bona fide talent so we'll see how it actually plays out Dalvin Cook though is in a different scenario because he plays a less valuable position when it comes to what you're going to get paid do you love Selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And he plays a position where the career span life is actually under three years, I think, at last check. I think the like average career for a running back is like 2.8 years or something like that. That seems awfully low because I see guys play a lot longer than that, and I don't think Dalvin Cook is about to leave the league. He's going to end up going somewhere. But the bigger thing is just both these guys, the reports are the same, and the quotes are the same, and the wording is the same. Not in a rush. I've seen it everywhere about both of them. Well, of course not. They're missing the part that's not fun right now. 
I mean, talk to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers waited to make his decision until August, like over and over again. You see this all the time. We'll see. I mean, there's multiple teams that want all want both those guys. They're going to end up somewhere, and they're probably going to help wherever they go. I wouldn't be in a rush either if I were them because I don't know that I would be better, especially if I've been hurt a lot, if I could take a little bit more off in terms of a physical thing, as long as I have the right ramp-up period. The only thing that worries me is chemistry with that new team. I don't want it to be – where I walk in and I could have had a lot more work and and I just am not as familiar if I'm Hopkins with the quarterbacking. And so that sets me back or the blocking schemes and things like that for Dalvin Cook. But in terms of the football side of it, there's no benefit at all to signing too fast. Just sit there and wait on the market. You're kind of in a spot where you probably can pick between three or four suitors. And I don't know what they're going to be exactly for – Cook, but we already kind of know where he's vis- where DeAndre Hopkins has visited, and I still think there's a few others that we will hear before this is all said and done. I bet you, I bet you by August first we figured this out. But I wouldn't be in a rush to sign either. I will be in a rush, however, to send you to Sherman Oaks right now for the latest in the world of sports. Take it away. San Diego State has reportedly given the Mountain West Conference written notice that the school intends to resign the league. An earlier report said that they gave the required one-year notice, but an update report says that the written letter was not an official notice of its intention to withdraw. In either instance, the exit fee to leave the conference for the fall 2024 season doubles to $34 million on July 1st. And in the letter, the school did ask the Mountain West for, quote, a one-month extension given unforeseen delays involving other collegiate athletic conferences beyond our control, unquote. In the NBA, the league has suspended John Morant 25 games after he posted a video that showed him waving what appeared to be a gun. The suspension will come with conditions for his return. The league said during the suspension, Morant won't be able to take part in any public league or team activities, and he will lose more than $7.5 million from his salary. Morant previously suspended eight games back in March for a similar incident. Michael Jordan reportedly selling the Charlotte Hornets, and he'll reportedly sell the team to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall. However, he will retain a minority stake in the franchise. Out in Los Angeles at the U.S. Open, it's Ricky Fowler in the lead. He has a one-stroke lead over Wyndham Clark and a two-stroke lead over Rory McIlroy and Xander, Xander Schofel. In men's soccer, U.S. soccer has announced that Greg Berhalter has been reappointed manager of the U.S. men's national team through the 2026 World Cup. And some final Major League Baseball scores from the West Coast. Giants come from behind to beat the Dodgers 7-5. Mariners edge out the White Sox 3-2. Rays over the Padres 6-2. Phillies beat the Athletics 6-1. And the Diamondbacks top the Guardians 5-1. Back to you. Appreciate it. We are in the TireRack.com studios. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup on Tuesday. 2.72 million viewers for the clinching game. You had 2.47 on TNT. You had 253,000 on True TV. It's the lowest viewership for a Game 5 in 29 years, as per the uh, New York Post. Average for the Stanley Cup Final was 2.6 million through the five-game series. Last year's Avalanche Lightning Series drew an average of 4.6 mil. So this is down 43% from that, that one. 
This game, five, 2.72 million. Again, per the post. Fewest since the 94 Stanley Cup final between the Rangers and Canucks, which was an ESPN exclusive. And it was the last time that the Stanley Cup finals aired on cable only, which, of course, that's what this one did. So that caveat's a big one, right? The fact that it wasn't on air. But let's see. Least viewed cup-clinching game in the past 30 years. Fell below the previous mark. That was in 2007 when Anaheim beat Ottawa in Game 5. That was 2.9 million viewers. The 20 and 21 Stanley Cup Finals were both lower, but that was a COVID deal. And so that was just different, generally. The Post argues that it's not really the whole story for the NHL because this is a league where the matchups really matter. And so when you get something like you got here with Florida and Vegas, you just didn't have enough. You didn't have the original six. You didn't have all of that. I bring it up because I would ask you, do you buy that? Like, hockey is always fun to watch, but you just never catch yourself watching it, right? And I'm not, not all of you. And I've certainly gone through stretches where I watch a lot. But, I mean, when I was a kid, as a Penguins fan, I watched a ton. Really enjoyed it. But now it's just kind of, oh, it's on? All right, I'll put it on. But it's never like it. Uh, it's not appointment viewing. And, and the, the question that I had written down was, can we save hockey in America and how do you do it? I mean, ESPN got involved again and I thought maybe that would help out because I thought the ESPN boom actually really helped hockey and because they started covering it we started getting more of that coverage on SportsCenter when SportsCenter was a much more viable property and I think it helped and the National Hockey Night stuff and the the rise of <clears throat> listening to Gary Thorne and Melrose and all those guys like I thought it worked Linda Cohn is a huge hockey person like they, there was a lot to like about all that. But I look at it in 2023. I mean, we just got finished with horse racing for the year in terms of the Triple Crown. And we always have. Every time a Kentucky Derby happens, I know for a fact that we're going to talk about that Saturday night. It's always going to be, is horse racing dead? Is there anything to save it? And then we get into this conversation about how – you've seen kind of the end of horse racing in terms of real interest, even though when you actually look at the Triple Crown ratings numbers, they're usually good. But you look at like something like that and prize fighting where it's not what it once was. And a lot of that is a function not of the sport, but of the names involved in the sport. When you got a Canelo fight, it does pretty well. When you got a Floyd Mayweather fight, it does pretty well. And I mean, pretty well, I'm probably understating that fact, but if you've got the big names, you you generally can still get it, but it's changed a little bit. And MMA has taken over, and you've got other factors. <clears throat> I don't know that we talk about hockey quite enough there. I'm sitting here kind of looking at these numbers. Average Stanley Cup playoffs ratings this year. And this is the whole playoffs, 1.23 mil. <clears throat> Which, that's down from last year. But again, a lot of this, a lot more of this is on cable than it was. So that does change things. So the numbers aren't maybe as terrible as they look. And I guess the question is 
does hockey need to be saved or if you're Gary Bettman, if you're the NHL, if you're a hockey fan, are you cool just kind of being where you are? It, it, sometimes you are, right? Sometimes you don't own the company, but you're pretty happy to be, I don't know, an assistant manager or something like that. You're never going to be CEO, and you know that. But you're happy where you are, or you found something that works for you. You're still making money. You're enjoying it. You feel like your product is good, those kinds of things. I look at the Big 12, right? And what's the Big 12 doing right now? They're looking at adding basketball schools. And even said at a media event a couple of weeks ago, the new commissioner of the Big 12 said, <clears throat> you know, we basketball can be our thing. And I thought that was a brilliant idea because in no way, in no shape or form, can the Big 12 compete with the SEC and the Big 10 when it comes to what those conferences are going to mean in football. We understand the revenue of football and all that, but if I could own another sport and make that my calling card, that can work. You've already got some great basketball schools, but now you're looking at UConn and some of that. You bring in a UConn, and then you've got you know Houston and some of these other schools matching up with Kansas. Even if you lose Texas and Oklahoma, you're still going to have a lot of really good basketball programs, and then you might become the preeminent basketball league. I mean, this past year you were, and now you would be even stronger there. It's okay sometimes to just say, hey, now this is going to be us, and we're going to be all right here. So I think the question, I'm just kind of throwing it out loud because I don't know that there's a conclusion to it. Are you more worried about the ratings if you're the NFL or just or the NHL? Or are you just kind of cool saying, this is just kind of where we're going to be? I mean, we're going to have some ebbs and flows. At times, we're going to be a little hotter. At times, we're going to be a little bit, you know, it's going to be a little bit colder. But we're we're right there in that number four spot when it comes to, you know, American team sports. But we're never getting to the NFL. We're not going to get to the NBA. And Major League Baseball has found a way to really reinvent itself. And I've, I'm loving watching baseball this year more than, more so than I have in a long time. And the NHL just kind of slots in there. And is that okay? Somebody has to be fourth, and that's not the worst thing. It's last of the four. But is hockey dead in America? Is it fair of me to say, can hockey be saved? Is the question that I originally wrote down to talk about in this segment, is that really the question to ask? Can hockey be saved, or does it need to be saved and it's okay? Is it an overreaction to the fact that it's not doing football-like numbers of revenue? but it's still doing pretty well as a business entity. And I'd need to look more into the numbers maybe and see financially how the league is actually doing right now. But I don't know really anybody that tuned into the Stanley Cup Finals. I watched some of it, but I also knew that I was going to have to come in here and, and talk every week and some of that was going to be about hockey and it was going to be be about the Stanley Cup even though you know my team was out long ago I just think that's an interesting question if you're hockey are you just kind of cool being where you are and maybe you strike gold and you find another like massive superstar that can really bring people to the game I, I don't know I, I, I don't know if that's a thing that can happen now because our attention spans and the competition for our attention 
is so much greater with streaming and everything that we have access to at our fingertips. It's just not the same. When hockey used to be on one of the networks, if that was what was on, that's what you had to watch because there was not much else there. And then you became a bigger fan. You started to know the Steve Eisermans of the world and the, you know, all of the names, the Mark Messiers of the world and the Marty McSorleys. And certainly I'm not mentioning Gretzky because it's obvious. And Mario Lemieux or the Paul Coffey's of the world. Those, I don't think we know. There's not a whole lot of household names in hockey anymore. It's just changed. But I don't know that hockey is dead. Even though those numbers sound terrible that I just read to you, I don't know. And I, I, the question that I wrote down, I thought I had an answer and I was just going to nail it, but I've actually kind of, kind of changing on that. When we come back, the baby Gronk story is kind of ridiculous. I don't want to recap the story. I do want to talk about backlash that a writer received for doing a profile on Baby Gronk, including a Q&A with his father. We'll discuss that to end hour two. That's next here. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm gonna talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic, and then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in. I'm Jason Martin, live from the Tyrac.com studios here on Fox Sports Radio. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, certainly to my dad. Ari Wasserman of The Athletic, he did a, a Q&A with Baby Gronk's father. Yeah, Baby Gronk with the whole rizzed up controversy 
or crazy TikTok video. And if you don't know the story, I don't want to go into too much detail on it. But basically, this is a very young gentleman, this baby Gronk, who became a social media sensation. He had like a couple college football programs looking out for him. And you've got like LSU. He's on LSU's campus. And it's a crazy story. And it was like millions of views. And it's words that I don't even understand. This is when I fully felt old. And so Wasserman talks to his dad. And his dad's very much a self-promoter. Now, his dad also said, hey, you know, I'm kind of setting this up in a savings account for him, you know, letting him soak this in and all. He wants to be in the NFL, and that's a laudable dream, but that's going to be hard. I want to make sure he's set up now because I'm seeing all these people making money and all of that kind of thing. That sounds pretty good, but also you can see him in interviews kind of – there's actually like a clip of his dad feeding him information in interviews and all of this. But somebody asked Ari Wasserman, who did this Q&A, a question about, in his mailbag, about the the pushback that he got for giving this guy a platform at all, giving the dad a platform, knowing that he was a grifter, knowing that he was using his son and all this stuff. And I want to stand back, stand up for Wasserman here, because Wasserman's job isn't necessarily to determine the motivation of the father of baby Gronk. It's to take a compelling figure and a story that had exploded in the country and objectively ask questions and get answers. And that's the key point here is if you go and actually read the piece, Wasserman asked questions and the guy spoke and there was no commentary about that. It's just like, here's what his dad said. Here's the next question. Here's what his dad said. It's the next question. Washburn said he wasn't expecting the pushback to be this overwhelming. And he even said, you know, if you think I'm wrong on this, I accept that. I'm not always right. But he did have thoughts, and I thought these thoughts are are worth mentioning here. People asking, how do you give him a platform? Well, he already has over 300,000 followers, way more than Ari Wasserman does. It was a QA and a again. There was no editorializing here. There was no judgment here. This is a great quote from Wasserman, and I think this is very relevant to what you listen to, what you consume on a day-to-day basis. He says, It was published as a Q&A done intentionally to allow him to speak about what is happening. I didn't know anything about him or what he was going to say. I didn't know how I would feel about it when it was finished. They were his words presented to the audience without judgment. Is this man a good person? Is he raising his kid right? You tell me. And here's the line, and this is good. Whom we choose to write about isn't reserved for only people the audience finds noble. First off, we know that to be true, considering all the stories and all the time that we spend talking about people you really wouldn't want to give a platform for the things that we are talking about, right? He talked about, he also mentioned, look, Livy Dunn and LSU. You had Mark Stoops. All of this kind of thing. There, 
there were other schools that were giving this kid treatment and were talking about him. This is a 10-year-old with 300,000 Instagram followers and college programs being part of it. And he's a college football writer. And so he grabs the guy's dad. And even if the, the kid's dad, and even if the kid's dad is kind of gross, right, all you're doing is just he says something, but you're not commenting on it at all. That seems to me to be the very definition of journalism, right? Like, you're, you, it's not bought and paid for. It's just like, here's what the guy says. Now you decide. I think that's more of the journalism that I want to say. So I, I don't know why there's any flack, honestly, in this situation. A lot of things going on around the world of sports. Hour three of the program coming up next. We'll talk about Stephon Diggs and the bill. We'll get bills. We'll also get back into the Ja Morant story here next. It's Father's Day weekend. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we will help you get there. And I match selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection. Over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. One more hour here. I'm in for Bernie Fratto, who is off this weekend. And he usually joins us in the fourth hour of uh, Torres and Martin, which you can hear on Saturday nights. Um. And he will not be joining us this week, of course, and deserves a week off. So we look forward to having Bernie back. Hopefully he's having a wonderful Father's Day. The Ja Morant story, we opened the show with it. We're going to talk about it a little bit more here. Ja said in a statement issued Friday, I've had time to reflect, and I realize how much hurt I've caused. I want to apologize to the NBA, the Grizzlies, my teammates, and the city of Memphis to Adam Silver, Zach Kleiman, and Robert Perra, who gave me the opportunity to be a professional athlete and have supported me. I'm sorry for the harm I've done. To the kids who look up to me, I'm sorry for failing you as a role model. I promise I'm going to be better. To all of my sponsors, I'm going to be a better representation of our brands. And to all of my fans, I'm going to make it up to you. I promise. I think the key line there is to the kids who look up to me I'm sorry for failing you as a role model the statement goes a little bit further and talks about him working on his own mental health and decision making he's going to be training he talks about and then he says I know my teammates are going to hold it down I'm so sorry I won't be out there with you at the beginning of the season I hope you'll give me the chance to prove to you over time I'm a better man than what I've been showing you Because it's just a statement that got issued, you just have to decide whether or not it was written for him or not. But I do think the sentiment is legitimately – I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say the sentiment's legit. And I hope it is. He can be and is already a role model for people. I had seen – I'm not really on social media these days, but I have seen – and heard accounts of people defending jaw in a very foolish immature stupid way and i don't mean today i mean throughout all of this for months basically the equivalent of man get off jaw you're just hating on him and he's just being real and all this stuff that's just dumb folks i'm not assuming people listening here are part of that chorus but that's just dumb this behavior and what he's been doing is dumb. 
it's landed him a 25-game suspension, which I, I'm not sure is enough. But I don't think that it is going to be viewed as completely feckless. It's a lot better. I thought that the first one should have been more than it was. And if it had been, then there would have been precedent here to have done more. The argument, again, we laid this out in the first hour, but the argument from Commissioner Adam Silver was, well, you had the Bridges incident with the Suns. That was a 30-game suspension for a domestic violence deal that was a crime. And you've had PED suspensions of 25. This The situation with Jaws is not a crime. So 30, it would have to be a little less than that. So we went with 25, which is the second longest suspension Adam Silver has been a part of since he's taking over the commissioner role. In theory, that checks out. I still would have liked to have seen it be the All-Star break and not December. I think that would have had – it would have felt powerful – and look, maybe All-Star break and the NBA PA or the NBPA comes out and they're furious about it and it gets worked down and you end up in December anyway. I don't know. But the NBPA is furious about this and they're saying, you know, we're going to explore all options and all this. I mean, that's their job. I understand that. I just want to see Ja be Ja that I know he's capable of being, Right. And that means on on the floor, we know what he is. Off the floor, I want to see him be... I want to see him aspire and become that guy that is equivalent to this transcendent figure on the basketball floor. You know, you look at with great power comes great responsibility and the old Spider-Man meme and the old Spider-Man saying from the comics and then certainly from the movies. But it's true. I mean, he's got power. He's got influence. And it is... There's a responsibility that comes along with that. Not everybody is built for that. Some then just become superstars that stay quiet and you don't hear very much from them. And that can be a role model in itself. It's just to do your work quietly and let it speak for itself. I mean, Mike Trout's not really there in your face, but I'm sure Mike Trout is favorite baseball player of a whole lot of people out there. Not flashy in any way, but we know what he's capable of. John ja Morant's style and his flash is everywhere. It's impossible not to just be blown away when you watch them play, when you watch Memphis play, and you when you watch Ja do his thing. Imagine, folks. Imagine if Jaws' talent on the basketball floor mirrored Jaws' ability to resonate, relate, motivate, encourage, inspire, and positively affect those within his orbit off the court. It's going to take, and he said, look, it's going to require better decision-making. That's what the statement says. It's going to require, honestly, it's not going to be going to counseling sessions. And he's going to, you know, he has to put forth this program with the NBA and he's got to fulfill various things. They got to know that, you know, he's he's grown from this experience. That's basically what it comes down to. We don't know what the specifics look like, but that's at least what they're saying. 
the decision-making side of this, he's going to have to hurt some people's feelings. He can't do this on his own. He's going to have to tell some of his running buddies. He's going to have to tell some of the people that I'm sure mean a whole lot to him in his life that he's known for a long time. He's going to have to tell them to hit the bricks. And if they love him, they will. As a matter of fact, if they love him, they'll say, we need to hit the bricks before he even asks them to. Because if you love somebody in that case, you're just like, man, you know what? You're who I wish I could be, but I'm so grateful and I'm so happy and thankful that you got out, right? Because if, you know, there's different deals about, well, is this real? Is this a put on? The people he's around, it's real, whether he's real that way or not. Let's say that it's authentic, right? That this is more the version of Ja in terms of what he's been off the court. He's more of this ilk in terms of who he's been around and what he's been exposed to. He got out. That's the goal. If I'm his friend, I'm not going to drag him back down. I, that might be my lot in life. That might just be where I'm going to be. And, or maybe I see his circumstance and I find my way out too. But I'm not going to cling on to him and drown him in the process. If I love him, if I'm truly his friend, I, I would just say, it's like, hey, man, check up on me on my birthday. <laughs> I love you to death, but I, I'm. I think I think I've got to back away for your sake. It's real easy for me as a radio sit behind this microphone and tell you that that's what I want to see happen or that's what's got to happen because that is not generally how this goes. But Jaw's gonna have to hurt some people's feelings. He's gonna have to say, I, you know, I. I almost lost it all. I'm on the verge of losing it all. I know how much I have to lose. I know the responsibility that I hold. So I I have to back away and leave you guys behind. I don't know if he's going to do that. I don't know. But if I'm the NBA and I'm looking at a plan to make better decisions and address mental health and handle stress better, because that was what the initial thing was. He went to Florida for a couple days before that, the end of the first suspension so that he could see how to, the idea was to handle stress better. That's what all this is, is you not knowing how to handle stress. It just seems like it's a pattern of bad judgment. And a lot of it is probably not you orchestrating it. It's you going along with it. But you're the one in the group with something to lose here. And so I I go back and I mention all this to, to go in a different direction, ask the same question, is 25 games enough? It's a substantial amount of money. It's a substantial amount of time. It's going to put them out till sometime near Christmas probably. Is that enough? Does it feel like enough? 
does that feel like the right authority from the NBA when you've already got the Players Association pushing back and exploring options and saying this is inappropriate and all? When you consider what Ja is doing, these two events, the fact that this has happened twice, and his circumstance, the fact that, and he knows that in his statement, that he does, in fact, have influence over younger people that watch him and want to be him. That's why Adam Silver said, quote, the potential for other young people to emulate Jaws conduct is particularly concerning. I just want to change that quote for you, Ja. I know you're not listening right now. Take the word concerning out. And live the life based on this. The potential for other young people to emulate Jaws conduct is particularly amazing. Is particularly special. Is particularly awesome. Take the word concerning out. That's the present. The future is in your hands. You can flip this script and it can become an unbelievable redemption story and a documentary and a television series and all of that. But what it could mean for youth in this country that idolize you, what it could mean to be a good influence and a positive contribution for all of those young, soon-to-be Jaws that want to learn to play like you do but also want to be you. Think about that. Yes, right now, potential for other young people to emulate Jaws' conduct is particularly concerning. No question. It's June 17th. It could change on June 18th. You have the ability to take that descriptor away and to rewrite your own story. America loves a redemption story, Ja. I look forward to seeing yours. And I'm going to pray for you, brother. Like that That's the best thing I can offer you. I want to see you play basketball for selfish reasons. But I want to see you influence the youth of this country. Man, that's not for selfish reasons. It's because you have a platform and a unique set of gifts and skills and abilities. And I, I, I want to see you utilize that for the good of everything, for the good of us all. God gave them to you. Use them for him. When we come back, I want to – this is kind of odd because we were just talking about one kind of awkward situation, but the flash opened. And I've been a, for a long time as a TV and film critic. And I attended a screening of The Flash a couple of weeks ago. And I can tell you about the movie a little bit. But it actually got me thinking about another star in the NFL. I'll tell you more about that next. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. 
And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. I'm Jason Martin. Good Saturday to you. Father's Day weekend. U.S. Open, moving day, and then final round on Sunday. Ricky Fowler getting it done. That's exciting. We'll talk a little, about, a little bit about that to end the show. Xander Shoffley's right there as well. So I mentioned before the break, like I've been a critic for a while. I, I, I don't know that I'm still active in it, but I was at a screening of The Flash, a media screening a couple of weeks ago. I think it actually released today. Pretty decent movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm a big time superhero guy. I've read comics for a long time, and it definitely was good. I thought it was it was a little bloated. You probably could have knocked a couple minutes out of it here and there, and it was corny here and there, but generally pretty good and worth seeing. But there's one problem that they can't do anything about because they released the film. And that is that the lead star, Ezra Miller, has a past. And he's got some real ugly stuff involving women and treatment and just a lot of problems. To the extent that I'm surprised the film released and they didn't recast it and go a different direction. I mean, you had the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing. Well, this is in that vein. It's bad. Treatment of women, horrible and all this. So they released the film. And it's going to make some money, but, and he's good at it. Look, he's good in the role. Watching the film, I couldn't separate the fact that Ezra Miller was the one that I was watching on screen because I knew what he was accused of and, you know, what the reports were and just all the controversy surrounding him. It was impossible to just fully enjoy and embrace the film because there was always a part of me that knew what was behind it all. And it wasn't like a redemption arc here. Like I've talked a lot this morning early here about Ja, and I feel like there's a redemption story that could come from this that would be just fantastic and inspirational. That doesn't seem to be the case here. It certainly isn't now. And he's right there in front of us on the screen. And we're watching this film as two and a half hours. And a lot of it is him. As a matter of fact, multiple hymns at times. And what it got me thinking about 
is Deshaun Watson. I felt a certain way last year watching Deshaun when he came back off the suspension. And the way that I felt, unfortunately, because you always want to offer an opportunity for contrition and remorse and you want to offer grace and forgiveness and but it's tough in this situation because it was all so ugly and there's no way some of it is not true if all of it is not true that's most likely true but there's probably stuff we didn't know about that is true and and just the the details and everything was just awful and that suspension didn't feel like nearly enough to me. And the reason why I knew that is because when he came back and played football, I just couldn't enjoy it at all. Like, it was just like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to hear people talk about what he can do on a football field. I'm not ready to hear announcers and broadcasters calling Deshaun Watson, Watson touchdowns. It's a, kind of the same thing with Ezra Miller and The Flash. Like, there's just there's a, there's so much baggage attached to it that it's distracting and the reason I started thinking about Deshaun wasn't because of how I felt last year it was is that going to change this year has time passed enough after watching him finish the season and it was not good now he's going to come back this year are we going to be okay with this now I'm skeptical. For me, for sure, I'm still going to be seeing him, and that's what I'm going to think. But I, I'm not saying he shouldn't be playing yet. I mean, if he had never played again, if that had been a way that this thing got adjudicated, I'd have been fine with that. Because after this, it's just like, I don't know that I want to see you play football again. And I was a huge Deshaun Watson fan before everything went south. I just wonder, America, like, I I wonder how much the country cares at this point. Is it going to change this year? Is it going to be all right to just watch the Browns, or are you still going to be thinking about this every time? Because me, as much as I'd like to be able to put it on the back burner and just, okay, I understand, but there's nothing you can do about the past, and uh, he wasn't charged, and this is what it's become, and, you know, all of this, I don't know that I can put it aside. And it affects my ability. Like when they when the Browns are on, I'm not going to watch that generally because it's just there's an ick factor. There's a cringe. There's a even while I'm talking about this, there's no camera on me right now, but my face is like contorted. My eyes are closed. I've got my left hand over my eyes. I'm kind of looking down like the Patrick Stewart. Jean-Luc Picard meme that you might have seen or the the gif that's out there of him putting his head down. This whole thing is just off-putting and we had to talk about it for years. It felt like we had to talk about it for millennia. Like It felt like every show I did, no matter where it was, this topic comes up and it's just, it's never good because it's just, there's just nothing positive about it at all. I just want to know if are we going to be able to watch the Cleveland Browns this year or is it going to be like me watching the Flash 2 weeks ago where even though I actually thought the film was pretty solid I still couldn't get oh that's Ezra Miller and thinking about Ezra Miller's headlines the entire time is it that way with the Browns for you 
Or can you separate it? I understand nobody's a saint, right? We're a collection of sinners in this world, not a collection of saints. I get it. Everybody has stuff. And for Deshaun Watson, because of his ability to play football, we know about his stuff, and it's right in front of us, and he's still relevant, and he's still in front of us on television and all that. A lot of people do stuff that's far worse than what Deshaun Watson did. We never hear about it. I get all of that. This isn't like just uniquely condemning one guy or judging one guy. It's just, it's still, I don't think I'm ready to watch the Browns yet. I don't think I'm ready to watch Deshaun Watson yet without the same face that's on me right now. Like if it shows up on red zone, okay, yeah, all right, we'll watch that drive. But this is still super awkward and I'm just not quite there yet, if that makes sense. I'm curious if I'm alone in that. Tweet me at JMR Radio. Let me know. Let's go one more time to Kevin Wyatt. Catch up on the latest in the world of sports, Kev. Yeah, big news in the NBA as John Morant suspended 25 games after he posted a video that showed him waving what appeared to be a gun. Suspension will come with conditions for his return, the league did say. During the suspension, Morant will not be able to take part in any public league or team activities, and he will lose more than $7.5 million from his salary. Morant was previously suspended eight games back in March for a similar incident. Michael Jordan is reportedly selling the Charlotte Hornets, and he's set to sell the team to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Snall, but he will retain a minority stake in the franchise. Big news in the world of college athletics, a San Diego State has given the Mountain West Conference written notice that the school intends to resign from the league. An early report said that SDSU gave the required one-year notice on Tuesday. However, an updated report said that the written letter of its attention to withdrawal was not actually an official notice, but in either instance, the exit fee to leave the conference for the fall 2024 season doubles to $34 million on July 1st. Reportedly, in the letter, the school did ask the Mountain West for a one-month extension on that uh, doubling of the fee. In golf, the U.S. Open, Ricky Fowler is in the lead in Los Angeles. He's one stroke ahead of Wyndham Clark. He is two strokes ahead of Roy McIlroy and Xander Schofel. U.S. Soccer announcing Greg Berhalter has been reappointed as manager of the U.S. men's national team through the 2026 World Cup. And Major League Baseball, some late scores from the West Coast. Giants come from behind to beat the Dodgers 7-5. Mariners edge out the White Sox 3-2. Rays over the Padres 6-2. Phillies beat the Athletics 5 6-1, and the Diamondbacks over the Guardians, 5-1. to one. Back over to you. Appreciate it, Kevin. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio here, live from the TireRack.com studios. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at JMartRadio. Sean McDermott, Bills head coach on Stephon Diggs, said there are a lot of things out there that aren't accurate. He was here on Monday for his physical, reported for meetings, had a good conversation, This is from the 14th. Got to a point yesterday where we felt we all needed a break. Gave him permission. He was excused. Now, he's been at camp since midweek. And this story was a big deal early in the week. But that comment is interesting, right, from the head coach. Got to a point yesterday where we felt we all needed a break. Gave him permission. He was excused. Then they canceled the final day of minicamp practice on Thursday, the Bills did. Now, that happens a lot. And then McDermott says, 
after well the first comments that came out that were that were interesting were Josh Allen's on Tuesday when he said there's things that I can do better in effect that he was part of this that part of the Stefan Diggs thing he was taking responsibility for there are things I can do better and then McDermott on Wednesday says getting Steph the ball is a big piece of our offense he's the big focal point in addition to Josh it's important to get him going the more production he has, the more production we have as an offense. He provides great energy to our team. So what does that all tell you? Everything I just read you, right? The the couple of comments from McDermott got to a place where we needed a break and he was dismissed. We let him go that day. And then, hey, man, Stephon's really important to our offense. Getting him the ball is everything. He's super important to Josh. And Josh saying, I can do things better. What does all that mean? Well, if you just kind of put it all together and you're just trying to pull the logic out of the soup here, it seems to me that it centers around Stefan Diggs' usage. I read a piece in SB Nation, and I think that I'd seen it in a couple of other spots as well, that, look, Diggs' numbers dropped off in terms of his targets. And this is from the SB Nation article. In his first 11 games last year, double-digit targets in seven. He saw 15 in a Thanksgiving Day uh, game over the Lions. And didn't see double-digit targets again until the final game. And that was against New England. He had nine against the Dolphins in the wild card. Had 10 targets, but four catches against the Bengals. And there's a video that... And if you saw the game, most of us did. He wasn't happy on the sidelines. He was ticked off. And he's a guy that wanted to win and that wants to win badly, wants to win a Super Bowl, as does his quarterback, as does his head coach. And this is going to be a big time prove a year for the Bills. Like, if the Bills don't get to a Super Bowl this year, you could see a universe where Sean McDermott is not there next year. Because eventually it's like, is this the ceiling? Is the ceiling making it to the playoffs after having a great regular season squandering another year with our stars eventually maybe you have to have a new voice in there which sounds crazy because McDermott's been really successful but look at Monty Williams I, I this is not unprecedented by any means I'm not saying that's what's going to happen I'm saying that I think Sean McDermott knows there's a little pressure on him this year But if if all of all of what I read you again, if you go back, the the easy conclusion, and you don't know for sure, but the easy conclusion to draw is, Diggs is unhappy with how many targets he's getting. He's unhappy with his role in the offense. That actually is a fairly easy fix, and it would explain for sure why Josh Allen was taking some responsibility for saying this and. And saying, um, you know, there are things I can do better in regards to this specific circumstance with Stephon Diggs and whatever was going on this week with the Bills. It's not great for this team, but the season's still a couple months away. If if Diggs came in and he was just like, man, I want to win, and in order to win, I need to be a big part of it. I don't think this is necessarily – I mean, this is not somebody that's that's wrong – I mean, Stephon Diggs, when he is rolling, that team is real hard to beat, if not impossible. I'm saying I'm saying impossible, but obviously, figuratively, anybody can get beat. 
but he's the star and he's the catalyst. Before he got there, Josh Allen was still a, are we sure about this guy? And as soon as Stephon Diggs got there, it was, oh yeah, this guy's the man. And now he's on the cover of Madden this coming year. Deservedly so. I got no problem with Josh Allen being on it. Love Josh Allen. Love watching the Bills. But Diggs, this is one of us. This is a circumstance where if Diggs is just saying, man, I got to be more involved, you, you have to find me. I kind of look at that if I'm Josh Allen, that would be my response to it as well. Just be like, yeah, I could do things better because I know you're kind of the bread that, that you're the butter to my bread at, at the very worst. I got some other guys, but you're the guy. I got to find a way to get you the football in key circumstances, in key situations. Catch has got to be made in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, I got to find Jamar Chase. Now, he's got some other weapons he can choose from, but generally speaking, I got to find Jamar Chase. Sometimes it's the quarterback. Lamar, I might have to do this one myself. Jalen Hurts, I might, but now I've got A.J. Brown in addition to Devontae. There's a real luxury that comes with a top-flight wide receiver in this NFL, the way passing is valued. I mean, how many playoff teams in the last half decade have gotten there without a stud at wide receiver? You could say the Chiefs last year, but before that you certainly couldn't, and I would argue you couldn't say it last year either because Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. But you look at teams that are going deep into the postseason. How many of them don't show up with a Cooper Cup who won a Super Bowl against a Jamar Chase who was right there? This past year you had A.J. Brown and Devontae, but you had A.J. Brown on one side, and then, of course, you had Mahomes and Kelsey on the other. When you look at the Niners, for all of the brilliance of Kyle Shanahan's offensive schemes, I mean, if Brock Purdy had Carolina's receiving core from the better part of the last half decade, I don't think he would have looked the way he looked. Even though Debo didn't have a great year, we know what Debo can be. We know what IU can be. We know what McCaffrey meant when he came in to be an option, both as catching the ball out of the backfield and, of course, running the football. Receivers are super important, and they're super important to the Bills' rise. There's maybe no better move that's been made by the Bills organization. In fact, I don't think it's close. Stephon Diggs is the best thing that's happened to them. This is what has taken them over the top. It's what's taken there – is, there is that argument of are you a player away. Well, the Bills, even though they have not won a Super Bowl, they're a talented enough team to have done so. So I actually look at Diggs, and I'm just kind of like, you know what? If that's the circumstance, if it really is just that you want to be used more and you want to be the focal point and you felt like one of the reasons you guys dropped off and and didn't get to your goal of a Super Bowl was that you were not being put into the right situations to succeed or getting the opportunity to catch the ball enough. You know what, man? I kind of feel it. Like I kind of understand it. And if you listen to McDermott and you listen to Allen, it doesn't feel like they're just kowtowing to a diva wide receiver. It sounds like they're, in effect, saying, yeah, he's kind of right. Because that, I mean, you also heard Allen say, I'll back him forever. I've got his back, all this stuff. But, he, but his comment was very telling to me, saying there are, there are things I could have done better. There are definitely things I could do better. From a quarterback 
when the topic of discussion is a receiver and where is he and why did he miss mandatory camp and what's going on here that if the quarterback says that that tells me a lot I think that's actually a good sign for the Bills if they can get that ironed out and and figured then Diggs ought to be inspired and he should get the ball thrown to him all I mean so many more times this coming year but that's the way I viewed it. That's the best way. And I saw that in a few articles as well. It's not just my germane thinking. But if that's what it is, I don't look at that and say that's a diva wide receiver just like they all are. I look at that and I'm like, yeah, Stephon Diggs is right. Get him the football. We'll come back. We'll finish up the program and get ready to toss it over. But uh, I want to talk a little U.S. Open golf when we come back. It's just good to see. We talked a lot about redemption stories that either haven't happened yet or we're still hoping for when it comes to John Morant, for example, and maybe Zion Williamson, a lot of that. There might be a redemption story on tap this weekend on the links with Ricky Fowler. We'll talk about that when we come back. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back on this Father's Day weekend. Tyrec.com Studios. I'm Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. Fun time these last few hours, even though there have been some heavy topics, of course, with John Moran and future Zion Williamson and even found a way to get Deshaun Watson in, which I wasn't necessarily expecting, but here we are. U.S. Open, Los Angeles Country Club, round three coming up today. Ricky Fowler at the top of the leaderboard. Ten under. Got Wyndham Clark and Xander Shoffley right below him. Rory McIlroy's there. DJ's in the mix. He's tied for six. Scotty Scheffler, Cam Smith, Finau. You know, you got I'm a big golf guy, but you've got a lot of guys to watch this weekend. The Fowler thing is really interesting, though because this is a guy that just completely fell off the map after a pretty meteoric rise. Like, he didn't win majors. But he was always there. Like, he was always a guy that was dangerous, that played solid, that was incredibly popular on tour. I remember going to uh, Firestone in Ohio and, and saw him there, and he was just a rock star. And 
a likable guy, and it just looked like his game disappeared, right? Like, we talk about, and we talked about, Ja and the redemption story that could come from what's been a little bit of a rough go for him as of late with decision-making and all that. And thinking about how America loves to see these comeback stories, we do. We unfortunately sometimes get way too much we get way too interested in you know murder trials and headline news and celebrities falling from grace and all this other kind of stuff but Fowler Fowler having the lead going into the weekend look it's two more rounds it's a lot of golf to be played and if you ask me to predict that he would win it I can't do it but boy I would love to see it he's got Rory there he's got Xander I mentioned some of these other names Elias Sports Bureau says 24 of the past 27 U.S. Open champions either led or were within, or were within two, easy for me to say, after 36 holes. Matt Fitzpatrick in 2022 was three back. Webb Simpson back in 2012 was six back, and Brooks Kepka in 2018 were five back. Those are the only three that were not within two or leading after 36 holes. The leaderboard is great. I, my, my U.S. Open is not one that's 10 under going into the weekend. It's just not. It does feel like a, a course that's not not U.S. Open style in terms of how difficult it is. But, you know, as long as we're going to get drama out of it, that's good. But I'm just more interested in the redemption story here. I mean, Fowler was dead. He was top four. I was reading Mark Schleybaugh's article. He was top four in every major in 2014. He fell to 176th in his world golf rating or ranking last year and didn't even qualify for three of the four majors. Fowler said on Friday, I sure hope everyone can relate to struggles because everyone deals with them. No one's perfect. I think you'd be lying if you haven't been through a tough time, especially if you play golf. I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's been a while since I've felt this good in a tournament, let alone a major. It's going to be a challenge. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. Man, I would love to see it. I can't predict it, but I would love to see it. I would love to even see him go into Sunday with the lead. It's just cool to see him relevant again. Because he's a good guy, just fell on tough times and couldn't figure it out. Like, all of a sudden, this guy's just, he lost his swing, he lost his confidence, he lost everything. And golf is so mental, in addition to the physical that it had to be taxing. It's got to have been brutal for him trying to figure out what happened. Like, where did it go and how can I find it? And now we're in the U.S. Open going into the weekend and he's a storyline. So if you need a feel-good story this weekend, uh, and maybe maybe you're going to watch it with your own dad here on Father's Day weekend, man, Ricky Fowler, that's an easy one to root for, for sure. And past that, I think it's also just – with the live and PGA and all that, no, just focus on the golfers, man. I'm just I'm glad we're getting to see everybody, quite frankly, and I'm looking forward to a fun weekend. Uh, and and I'd love to see we're talking about Ricky Fowler, a major champion, at the end of this. I think it's Anthony Gargano coming up next. Appreciate Bernie letting me fill in. You hear me with Aaron Torres tomorrow. I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.